Welcome to Shofar Ronnebosch Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. That because that would be very uh, condescending. Um, or the main point of the story about the fish is that sometimes the most obvious things in life tend to be hidden from us and they tend to be very difficult to talk about. Uh, and I don't mean to say that I know everything. Um, but all I'm trying to do this morning is say, this is water. Um, so the, my main message really is birthed from a place of the certain things that we sort of um, get used to in our culture that we never really stop to ask uh, where they come from, the things that like, influence us. Um, they call them default settings. Um, so we'll, hopefully we'll make clear, we'll be clear as we go along. Um, but I want to point out to you that every single experience that you've ever had is really centered around you. I know it's a big statement to make, but it'll be one because it's your experience. But I think it plays out a lot in like road rage. Um, you know, like if you've ever been stuck in traffic and a taxi cuts in front of you, you know the rage that comes from that. And it's always because there's a conflict of perspective. Like the driver and you have an objective that you want to achieve. And you're looking at it from all different perspectives. And the problem is you always sort of convinced that your perspective is the best one in that situation. And that tends to blur out the other people's perspective. Um, I want to, um, so what water is to a fish, culture is to individuals. Um, which is to say that sometimes you can be so immersed in a culture that it becomes part of you, that is very difficult to see and even do uh, differentiate it from, from who you are. Um, so I guess the really obvious question will be here, what is like water to a fish? What is your, what is your culture? What is your water in your pot? Um, so we chatting through that, I think the question is also about like, what is the thing that gives you the very breath that you breathe and takes you from one season to the next? Because um, the really, the world gives us two options. It could either be inside of you or outside of you. Psychologists call it the inter- internal locus of control. You either have an internal locus control where like your, uh, your desires and uh, motives are really inside of you and your, what you need to do is to figure those out and live those things as best as you can. The other is your external locus of control, which is outside, it could be from God or your parents, that what they want for you, you need to figure that out and live that out as best as you, as you can. And I want to propose to you that is actually a false dichotomy because you actually have a third option, which is a Christocentric uh, lifestyle where the internal and the external meet. And the only place they meet is at the cross. And thank you, Matthew. Matthew's my flatmate, so it's like... Uh, it's going to cheer me on this, whole, this morning. Um, um, and it is, it is what Paul says uh, in Romans 11, 30, 36. It's for from him um, and through him and to him are all things. And it's when we live with that mindset, when we live with the mindset that everything that I have, I can achieve or I have actually received from Christ and it's through Christ that I can sustain it and it is to him ultimately. Um, I think one way to, uh, to give perspective to this 
so like sort of our cultural narrative is to look at what David Foster uh, Wallace says. He was an atheist, um, he's an author, like a very postmodernistic thinker, or was. He committed suicide in 2008. So he gave a speech in 2005, and it says, I'll try to read it. Hopefully, I don't butcher it. Uh, but if I do, please forgive me. Um, so he says, in the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there is no actual, there's no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing one sort of God or a spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, um, if that's where you tap real meaning in life, um, then you will never have enough. You will never feel you have enough. Uh, worship your body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will never feel. You will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. You worship power. You will end up feeling weak and afraid, and you will need more power over others to numb you from your own fear. You worship your intellect, being seen as smart. You will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. But the insidious thing about these forms of worship is they are unconscious. They are default settings. They are the kind of worship you gradually slip into day after day, getting more and more selective about what you see and how you measure value without ever being fully aware that's what you're doing. And the so-called real world will not discourage you from operating on these default settings. Because the so-called real world of men and money and power hums merrily along in a pool of fear and anger and frustration and craving and worship of self. Our own present culture has harnessed these forces in ways that, that have yielded extraordinary wealth and comfort and personal freedom. Um, it's such a loaded uh, statement that he, he makes, especially coming from a person that says he's, he's an atheist. He says, really, atheism in the real world doesn't really exist. We all worship something. We all are driven by something. We all live for something. Um, and I agree with him in that. I don't agree with his solution uh, to it, but I agree with, with what he's saying in the sense that um, at the core of every human being, um, there is, there is worship. And I think what he's saying is that we worship. And what differentiates me from you is that the thing that we, the object of our worship. Like you may worship money, sorry, and I could be worshiping power. But the point is we're all worshiping something. And I think what is so striking about it is that these things are sort of our default settings. We sort of like, are born with it in a way. It's like it's hardwired in our being to worship, uh, to worship things. And and what he's saying is that you, the insidious thing about it is that you gradually slip into it day in day out without even knowing. There's certain things that can catch your heart without you being aware of it. The second things in in your life that could take the place of Jesus that you might not be aware of. And it's only when you lose them that you actually realize this thing had so much space and time in my life than it needed to. It's like water to fish. You know, when the fish lose water, it's when they realize, I'm actually nothing without water. And I think the point I'm making is, uh, well, before I go too far, 
Uh, so like it's the profound thing as well, what he's, uh, he's making is like it's um, in order for you to change. Because there's, there's, there's two options you can do. You can swap from one idol to the next, or worship from one thing to the next. It may temporarily work. It may seem like it's working. Like, for example, if you're an alcoholic, you change that to um, seeking success, you will stop doing things motivated by that your addiction and alcohol, but then you are swapping it with another idol, which is success. And when you lose the very success that you're pursuing, you will still feel the same as you did with when you're addicted to alcohol. So the solution is not necessarily to be conscientized about what your idol is. It's to have your default setting changed. And it's very difficult for you to actually change your own default settings. Um, and that's where, but what is impossible with man is possible with God. And it's because of the cross that we are able to make the transition. And that is why it's important to be born again. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, and, it is, and it is only when you get born again that your, your default settings get changed. You know, you, you get given you um, sort of like a new identity. It's what, what Paul says in Romans 8, um, 8, 5 to 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who are living according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the, for to set the mind on... On the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. It does not naturally happen that you will set your mind on things of the spirit if your, your default setting is still on the flesh. There is a, a new birth that needs to happen. You need to be born again. You need to allow Jesus to rewire your default setting to the spirit. Um, I guess the other way um, of... Of thinking of it, if it's, it's uh, instead of thinking of, of worship, is that we all, I think Maslow hierarchy of needs and the pyramid is always says at the bottom, it's like you, we all have uh, a basic need to be loved. We have all have a basic need to love. And we all also love things. We all, we may love different things, but uh, what Augustine, um, there was an, uh, a theologian in, uh, in Algeria, uh, 400 AD. Um, he says, uh, for example, when he gives example of honesty and courage. So he uh, says, honesty is loving your neighbor's interests more than your own, even, even when the truth will put you at a, as a, at a disadvantage. Um, and courage, he says, um, is when you love your neighbor's well-being more than your, your very own. And I guess he's basing it from uh, what Matthew um, Chapter 22, 36, where Jesus summarizes the whole law is like, love your God and your neighbor. So the whole law is summarized in, in one word, is love. That the love of God and then the love of your neighbor. Um, he goes on to say that you may believe and you may say that you believe in, in justice and, um, and social equality. But, and you may think that you do. And that, but then you go and make uh, business decisions that exploit people. And it says it's because... You may know and believe it in your head, but your heart actually loves uh, money more than it loves um, your more than it loves your your neighbor. That you you love your own prosperity more than your your neighbor. So in short, uh, he says you love what you love most in a moment is what 
controls your action in that moment. Um, so the body, by its weight, tends to move towards its proper place. My weight is my love. Um, wherever I'm carried, my love is, is carrying me. You are mo uh, and he, say, he ends up by saying that you are what you love. Um, and I think a lot of people, you can't, I think you can't deny that, that, that there's certain things that you, you, you gravitate towards, like naturally. And um, I think in a in sort of like a culture, uh, it's so, so easy uh, to be caught up in that. Uh, I think the best way is sort of um, in marketing. If, if you want to market the product, you need to individualize your product. I must find out what is your need, and I must meet it. You know, I must make sure that this thing will be the best thing for you, for the individual. Um, another way of, of seeing it in our culture is very prevalent is, I don't know if everyone has watched a movie called Babe. It's, uh, no, no one? Have you seen it? Hey, uh, I find some people say after watching it, they became vegetarians. I don't, did it work for you? No, no. Um, well, the basic plot, the basic plot about the movie, it's about a piglet that wants to be a sheepdog. And oh, you can imagine, spoiler, it does become a, a sheepdog. But the point of the movie is that whatever you want to be, I think you, if you, you, you watch the movie, whoever, like whatever you want to be, you can be that, despite the ridicule that you get around from people. Um, that's sort of like the narrative that goes around. Like, you need to figure out what is the deep thing that makes you, you, and live it out the best as you can. Um, well, there's a little bit of truth to it, to that, but uh, I won't fully agree, I don't fully agree with that sentiment, because uh, in the movie, the, the piglet, uh, there's a part where it actually gets mentored by the sheepdog, in order for it to become a sheepdog, uh, but there's a point where um, the, the sheepdog, well, the piglet is trying to herd the, the sheep into the fold, and the, the sheep says, you must just ask nicely. What turns out is that the piglet is very kind and polite. So that's its quality. So it's differentiated from all the other animals. In it, but in its nature, it's a very kind piglet. So it figures out the very thing that it makes it unique is what is needed in that moment. So when it figures that out, it's able to, she, uh, to bring the sheep into the fold. And the music goes like, ah, like the crescendos. <laughs> Um, you can, you can, yeah, um, I will not confess that, uh, but like the point, um, the, the thing is, is that that's, that's sort of our culture, like it's, like you need to figure out what makes you you and live that out as best as you can. I think there's also another one which says it more than, I guess, better than I'm trying to explain it is the, the ad that Nike did with Colin Kaepernick. There's also like a political sentiment to which I'm not really touching on, but uh, let's watch the video. And I think it's, the video is very explanatory, like you, know, you get the point that I'm trying to make. Um, then we'll, we'll chat about it. 